Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. Today's episode of the show is one I wasn't sure we'd get to in our first 10 episodes, but believe it or not, we're here now. Work from home is transitioning back to working together in the office. Some are heading back, some are not. However that transition plays out for you, your team, and your company, there are some critical issues that all PAC professionals need to appreciate. So coming up, the critical conversation on getting back into the office, resetting expectations, and listening to your eligibles. But first, I am joined, as always, by Abigail Cave and Adam Belmar. Hey, Michaela. I'm excited to be here again. I don't think I've ever heard Abigail Cave sound so good. It's crazy what technology can accomplish when you send it to the correct house. Ten episodes in, and we've got Abigail Cave on a mic, Michaela. (laughs) I know. She doesn't sound like she's in Wyoming. She sounds like we're right here in D.C. all together. (laughs) Okay, Adam, let's go ahead and officially call this podcast to order. The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business PACs. In every episode, we recap this week's NABPAC activities, share actionable intelligence, and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thanks, Adam. The work of our association, as we all know, is to support our membership, and that support is constant. And one way that we do it is, Abigail, by listening. We take the pulse of the group through surveys, we convene forums, and oftentimes we speak to folks one-on-one. But when it comes to telling the story of the PAC community outside of our PAC community, establishing basic facts about what we do seems to constantly be an uphill battle. Absolutely. It seems like every time we feel like we've ramped up our communications and done a good job of educating. We see another article or we see another podcast or we see another hit about corporations being the big evil dark money. And so we'll get back on here every single time and reiterate that business packs are one of the most transparent forms of campaign finance. You can see what we say, who we give to, and the rules for every business pack are the same. We all have the same contribution limits. We all have the same reporting requirements. Uh, There's no such thing as dark money in the business pack community. So every time we see one of these articles, we'll get back on here and say we are the most transparent form of campaign finance. Absolutely. That's sort of our battle cry. We are the most transparent way of giving in the political process. And every penny that we raise and every penny that we give is all reported to the Federal Election Commission. And we're limited in how we can support those candidates. We're limited in who we can even talk to within our organizations about the PAC. We can really hardly even say that we have a PAC to anyone outside of what is deemed the restricted class or what we refer to as our eligible employees. So I think as we continue to move forward, remaining true to who we are, keeping the lines of communication open with our eligible employees, talking about the issues that are important to our organizations is really going to be critical. When we talk about the facts about PACs in our podcast and as PAC professionals, we just have to remember that we're educating and re-educating and that we're battling these prevailing headwinds of misnomers, misstatements, or just misunderstanding by people about how this part of our political process works, Michaela. And it's just never ending. And I think that's one thing as PAC managers, we can't just say it once or twice. It has to be woven into everything that we do as uh, not only internally, but externally. I think now more than ever, 
PACs are even more important. And as we've been talking about on this Facts About PACs podcast over the last 10 weeks is that your PAC really magnifies your organization's voice both internally and externally. And while there are so many tools to help us succeed when it comes to the issues of importance to our organization, at the end of the day, the relationships that are built not only within our organizations, but with elected members of Congress, the PAC really is that vehicle to keep those conversations going. Abigail, one of the things that we did, I think it was last year, was we produced a video. In that video, we called it, surprisingly, the facts about PACs, how clever, how consistent we are. But (laughs) one of the things that came out of that video was this understanding that for employees to hear that candidates won't take employee-funded PAC or business PAC money, how does that make you feel? And that's part of what we do as NAMPAC is we're listening to everybody in the PAC community, especially our eligibles. And one thing we heard from then was, I feel like I'm being told my voice doesn't matter because of where I work. And that really resonated. It was a message in the video and it's something that I hear all the time. Absolutely. This is something we've heard, like like you said, from multiple people and from multiple organizations that when candidates want to accept employee-funded PAC money, people hear that my voice is invalid because of where I work. Involvement in your employee-funded PAC is one of the easiest ways to get involved in the political process. You can get a automatic deduction from your paycheck that goes to the PAC, and then you're automatically involved in your PAC. Then they give you access to get out the vote information, all sorts of other important information to help your voice be heard in our elections. That should be something that is paramount to candidates. They should be so excited to hear about that, and we're just not getting that from some candidates in the arena right now. Absolutely right, Abigail. All right, now onto the critical conversation on getting back into the office, resetting expectations, and listening to the eligible class. Michaela, NABPAC members heard Lori Richards present on this issue this week. It was an eye-opening and really important discussion for all of us, and it's one we really want to continue right now on the podcast. How do we transition back to work? You said it right off the top. It is going to be a different world when people gather back in the office. And being PAC professionals, there's a lot of work to do. Yes, Adam. It was just such a timely and appropriate webinar this week. And I hope our members will have an opportunity, if they didn't get to hear it, to listen and download. Because we even took a poll at the outset of the call to get a feel for just what our members are feeling as it relates to going back to the office, whenever that may be. And we heard a lot about feeling nervous about catching COVID-19, having to take public transportation, be more exposed. A lot of our members are nervous about daycare and what are they going to do when they go back to the office if their kids aren't in school. And so all these things were incredibly powerful and very important. However, I think it's bigger than that. And what we heard on the webinar is that we're, we're walking back into our offices and our all of our employees are not only scared about the health and safety, but they're also dealing with potentially a loss of productivity on the job because we've been gone for so long. And I think one of the biggest things that stood out to me is there's going to be a real lack of trust. And I think as we think about the government shutdowns, we think about the civil unrest that we're all facing. I think that trust is going to be something that our PAC managers are going to have to really focus in on and be sensitive to as they come back. Because from our perspective, we haven't been able to raise money. We're a little bit behind in our goals probably for the year. 
and the sort of knee-jerk reaction is, okay, we're going back to the office, let's start raising money. And I think you're going to have to really take a step back and reset those expectations. And as we think about what our employees are looking for, Lori said it, just she nailed it on the head. She said, your eligible employees want to be heard and they want to be validated. And so how are we going to do that if we're just going in and asking for money to support our our PAC goals? This is without a doubt the time where you have to stop and look around and realize everybody's walking back into a situation that is uncharted territory. Yeah, I think taking a step back and resetting expectations and really going on a listening tour and diving into the concerns of what your employees facing and where they're at in this moment is critically important. You know, I would say that when we were sort of thinking about only COVID-19 and maybe we'd only be out for a month or two, maybe getting back to some sort of sense of normalcy was, was likely, but I think given the last couple of weeks and what we have seen playing out on our TVs, I think folks are really, there's a lot of questions and there's a lot of uncertainty about their futures and will they have jobs? Will they be employed? Will our organizations continue to thrive and be successful? We're already seeing some were furloughed, now the layoffs are coming. So there's just, it's a really heavy time And I think for the PAC community to really take a step back, as I said earlier, and understand where their employees are coming from is going to be absolutely critical in rebuilding their PAC programs going forward. And there are issues that everyone has to address, not only with the returning to work and the COVID concerns we have, but we also have been made re-aware of all of these issues surrounding racial inequality. People are looking at that within their own companies, but we as an association have started looking into that too. And we have some action items that we're really proud of. Yes, I'm really excited. We've had uh, John Mason from Altria and Kevin Cameron from the National Multi-Housing Family Council, both who have actually been guests on our Facts About PACs podcast have agreed to co-chair the newly formed Diversity and Inclusion Task Force. And I'm really proud of our board and our leadership for moving in this direction that really will enhance NAPAC's outreach and engagement with communities currently underrepresented in the business PAC community to explore new tools and programs that will help NAPAC build out a more diverse community of PAC leaders. And then finally, to serve as a resource for our member companies as they develop their own initiatives. And so I think as we think about not only our association doing this, but our organizations as they go back to work, really rebuilding that trust. I think this is going to be an important factor for all of us going forward. Yeah, these are issues that are confronting every company. Get, make no mistake, our podcast is, a, is really tailored to, for, about, and by the PAC community. So in this special case of politically active folks who are advocating, who are getting involved in the political process and doing so together with fellow employees, everything around that has to not only pause and say, okay, we need to re-examine everything. We've got to be bigger than ourselves here and assume nothing, look at everything. So I'm really proud that the NAPAC board is doing the same thing, taking that critical look at ourselves and setting ourselves up for 
giving really good, thoughtful answers to anyone who might ask a question. Because how we are going to move forward is by having people ask tough questions and being able, thanks to transparency and really the way that this whole process works in our election, that accountability is going to be there. So let's all be accountable starting at home with NAPAC. Absolutely. And I think as our PAC managers re-engage with their employees, they're going to need to be resetting their goals. They're going to need to be looking at their own transparency within their own programs. And truly, as you said, I mean, accountability and accessibility to what the organization is doing uh, as it relates to their government affairs programs. Not every PAC is going to survive the 2020 election. That seems to be clear to me. But the ones that do will be rededicated to what they're there to do in the first place. Because it makes sense to the industry, to everything about the communities that these businesses work in and live in. And that ultimately is why everyone in the PAC community, Michaela, is doing this kind of work. So the struggles are there. They're very real, obviously. And as we get back into the office, we've all got to reconnect, I think, with this sense of purpose around the work that we do. And if it's meaningful, if it really does help everything that we're trying to pull towards, then that work's going to continue. Adam, that's a great point. And, you know, at this, while this is a difficult time in our country, it's not the first time that we have faced difficulties in a difficult environment. The PAC community is resilient. We are prepared. We are organized. The PAC community knows the rules of the game. And this isn't our first rodeo. This is exactly why we have the facts about PAC's podcast. We will discuss this in every episode. And I just want to take this time to thank all of our NAPAC listeners and everyone who finds this show valuable. As ever, we want everyone to know the facts about PACs. And until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.